0: I'm Isabel, and
1: I'm Andrew and this is
0: paraffine.
1: Yes, it is.
0: I'm very excited about this episode.
1: Are you? Yeah, because I you did don't have to talk exactly. Yeah. I did
0: three straight episodes where it was just me talking like 12,000 words of just wah, 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 wah. wah, wah, th- wah it was wah, so wah. much.
1: It was it was a lot of talking. But now you get a break because I get to do the talking.
0: Yeah, and I'm very excited about that. Before we jump into your tale, though, um, if y'all have listener stories, guys, please send those in to spiritboard at paraffinepodcast.com. We like to listen to them. Yeah, we absolutely love to read them, listen to them, present them to y'all. So if you have a spooky story or just an unexplained one, a paranormal one that you went through or somebody you know went through, email them in. Or Um, even
1: if you or someone in your family was a victim of an unsolved murder. (laughs) What? I mean, if they're a victim of an unsolved murder and they're listening to this and they can tell us their story and who did it, that'd be pretty great.
0: Absolutely. Like, if you yourself are a ghost, please email us.
1: But if your family member is also the victim of an unsolved murder or friend or something, you know, neighbor, whatever, let us know. Like, let's, let's dig into it. Let's try and solve that mofo.
0: I mean... I Like, since we've kind of been, like, dipping our toes into true crime, like, I've now done, like, I think three episodes, mm-hmm. including the one I did for Patreon. Right. I'm, like, really digging it. I'm not saying, obviously, that paraffined is turning into True Crime Central, but I do enjoy doing it. So, like, I would be completely open to getting emails about, like, I don't know, like, crimes or, like, murders or whatever that's, like, happened in your town. mm I You know, like some kind of like small town murder or big town murder or something. You know what I mean? Something that's like hits home for you, for us to like look into. I I would love to consider doing an episode on it.
1: My biggest thing is that as long as there's an air of mystery or like question that has to go with like the, uh, the crime in question, that's what really draws me in.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And it, it's kind of like hard because I actually have a friend. Well, I, I okay, I won't call them a friend because they weren't really a friend, more like I don't know, an acquaintance. There's somebody I knew. I went to school with them. A
1: victim? And, and they and she's li- a serial killer.
0: Uh, okay, fuck off. But <laughs> they uh they lived down the street from me and uh they ended up like murdering somebody oh. and I seriously thought about doing an episode on that just because I don't know because it hit so close to home. Yeah. And it's a very it's an odd story, but like we know who did it and there's not really like any major mystery surrounding Mm-mm. it. It's just it happened mm-hmm. and it was it was pretty gruesome. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. Like right. the story itself is really fucked up and it's it's kind of twisty and turny. So I thought about doing that, but I wasn't sure like if our listeners would enjoy something like that. If you would, if that's something that y'all would be interested in, let us know, you know, like on our social medias, like, you know, message us on Instagram or send us an email, you know, to the Spirit Board at Paraffink Podcast or, you know, on the Fiends page on Facebook. We would like to know what y'all want to hear.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, those like inputs that you guys have always make it like a l- little bit easier to narrow down the uh, stories that you guys want to hear. The information that you guys find interesting.
0: Yeah, the content.
1: Yeah. And we always like to provide content that you guys want to hear.
0: Exactly. So if y'all are digging this true crime, I mean, we would like to do more of it. Obviously, we're going to stay, you know, para, like paranormal kind of centric, I guess. But I would like to have a good mix in there for sure.
1: Yeah. And I, like I said, I'm good with doing the true crime, like the D.B. Cooper episode, as yeah. long as there's mm-hmm. some sort of mystery or question that's hanging out there. Then it really pulls me in.
0: Okay. Well, then you can handle that. And mine doesn't have to have a mystery surrounding it. Yeah, that's fine. I just like true crime in general. Sure. So like I'm down for just doing a murder case. Just anything. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% open to it. So I would love to hear what y'all want. All of it. And one more thing, you know, kind of speaking on Patreon, since we kind of mentioned that, Uh come and join us over there where you get extra content. 10% of all of our proceeds go to charity every month. You know, you get like these extra episodes that you won't like get normally. Mm-hmm. So if you like listening to us and y'all want to hear like even more digging onto, you know, topics where we each do one in an episode and we kind of get a little looser and kind of like bullshit and everything, come and join us on patreon.com slash podcast.
1: Yeah, plus we we put work into that too, so... It, it's nice to have your work heard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it helps us to like continue doing the show. Right. Because like, all the money that we get from it, it helps this show keep going.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So,
0: all right. Well, you ready to jump into your tale?
1: I am indeed. All right. Come closer, fiendish friends, and let us tell you a tale. All right, fiends. So for this week, we do not have a ghostly paranormal activity to speak of.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Instead, we have something that left me scratching my head and trying to make sense of something incredible. That's something incredible, maybe linked to something with a scientific explanation or potentially something a little more alien to us.
0: Oh, nice. You know, I love a good alien story. Oh. You did this for me, didn't you?
1: Well, I mean, you were in mind when I found it. Aww. But that alien joke was bad, even for me.
0: Well, yes, but like also, I'm so excited for an alien story.
1: Well, join with me today as I'm going to explore the Tunguska event.
0: I've never heard of this, I don't think.
1: Well, it is a mysterious and unexplained explosion in Russia.
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. an explosion.
1: It is an explosion.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay, so why are we talking about an explosion in Russia, right? Great question. Russia detonated nuclear bombs all the time. I mean, they had to test their nukes and do science to make them bigger and more deadly somewhere. Well, here's the thing. This explosion happened in 1908.
0: Oh, wow. A long time ago.
1: Mm-hmm. This is pre-nuclear era. Absolutely. Further, this explosion was massive, which is why the pre-nuke era statement is very important. The blast was estimated to be the equivalent of 12 megatons.
0: Holy shit.
1: I'm not an expert in explosions or destructive power, but a little digging and I found an article that said the March 26, 1954 nuclear weapons test yielded an 11 megaton nuclear explosion that was 730 times more powerful than the bomb dropped on Hiroshima.
0: Holy fuck. And this and what we're talking about today was bigger than that.
1: was equivalent to 12 megatons. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now I'm taking that information and therefore concluding that the explosion in Russia was more than 750 times stronger than the nuclear weapon deemed little boy. Could I be way off on this? Sure. But I'm going to stick with that as a measure of how powerful this explosion was.
0: Sure. And also like, it's weird to think that they named a nuclear bomb, little boy
1: and fat man
0: and fat man. Okay. Mm -hmm. Little boy and fat man. Yep. Uh, I don't know why they decided to do that, but uh, go off, I guess.
1: Uh, They had a... a Fat man was because of the shape, and they also had a long slender one that they called skinny man.
0: (laughs) Okay, so they were just like, well, this looks like a slender man. Yeah. This looks like a fat boy or whatever it was, fat man. Right. That's ridiculous. It's
1: like the equivalent of today, like scientists making a bomb and be like, okay, that's chonky boy, and (laughs) that's heckin' thin.
0: (laughs) That's ridiculous. I think we all know that that's fucking ridiculous.
1: I mean, scientists got to have their fun too, right?
0: That's fair. That is fair.
1: So basically with the size of this weapon, right? If it had happened in New York or Los Angeles type space, it would have been catastrophic.
0: Oh, like just decimated the area?
1: Annihilated a city. Wow. But still, why are we talking about this, right? Sure. This is paraffin. Well, let me tell you something else pretty interesting about this super powerful explosion. Please go on. There was no crater. What? Nothing.
0: That makes no sense.
1: There was like an impact area, but no crater. The explosion blew over 80 million trees.
0: Oh my gosh. Over
1: 830 square miles. That's ridiculous. That's almost the size of Rhode Island. Which comes in at 1,045 square miles.
0: I'm like almost speechless because that's
1: insane. It is insane. And due to the fact that this explosion happened in the middle of nowhere, it doesn't seem that anyone was really injured.
0: I mean, well, that's good. I mean, yeah. you know, that great for small victories or miracles or whatever you want to call it. But I'm literally just, you said 8 million trees, 800 million? 80 million trees. Okay, 80 million trees just... Bam. And no crater?
1: Pushed over. The bark and tree limbs like stripped off of them. Like they were smoking, like annihilated almost. It
0: it makes no sense.
1: Yes. So 80 million trees over 830 square miles, and there was no impact crater.
0: I just, I, I can't even fathom that.
1: And no real property damage was done other than like to the animals who called those 830 square miles home. Really? Yeah, there was a few like... Fishing shacks or like huts, Um, like some native tribes in the area were affected a little bit with like their structures being blown over. But like as far as developed areas, nothing.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Some like glass blown out real, real far away.
0: Do they have any type of pictures from this? I know that it was like forever ago or whatever, but I mean, pictures were a thing back then. So I'd be very interested in seeing what this looked like.
1: All right. Pause.
0: Okay, so he said pause because we had to like pause the podcast so that we could look up pictures and they don't have like a ton, which I'm not surprised because like picture technology wasn't great, but there was some. And I just don't – I don't even know how that's possible.
1: Well, also, like, what are you going to take pictures of? They took pictures of the trees being, like, laying down and blown over. Right. Still rooted, but, like, just, like, blown the, but the. over. They
0: didn't really have, the like, a great technology to get up in the air and take a picture of, like, the area. Sure, yeah. But just seeing the trees and, like, the pictures that they did take is wild. I mean, I can't imagine 80 million of those. Mm-hmm. I can't – I just – it blows my mind.
1: It's pretty insane. And uh, honestly, what else are you going to take pictures of other than blown over trees? Because there's no crater. Uh,
0: absolutely. Sure.
1: There's nothing really other than blown over trees to like really capture photographic evidence. Of. But
0: did it? I know that there wasn't a crater, but did it at least create like a clearing? You know what I mean? To
1: my understanding, there was like a super big circle of like burned up area, which we'll get into like why there was a burned up area later, but it was like a ring of like where it was just scorched earth kind of thing. Okay.
0: So like, it was like, it took trees and like push them out of that area, created like a clearing of like burned land Mm -hmm. with like trees laid over everywhere.
1: In 88, 830 square miles. That's
0: ridiculous. That's so ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Okay. So first let's cover what like science has said about this event. Okay. I'm going to hit you with, Uh, this is the most likely explanation. Okay. A lot of people, 95% of people believe this to be what happened in Tunguska.
0: To be fair, most people are going to go for what they, like the scientific explanation. When you can't explain something, you start grasping at straws. Right.
1: So sure. And this is, I'm giving you this because like, we're going to go into alternative theories after the science explanation. And I want to state that this is like the mainstream theory of what happened. And I'm not saying this didn't happen. I'm just saying there's other, you know, theories out there which are very interesting, and we're gonna talk about it and dive deep. Sure, okay. Okay. On 30 June 1908, the Evniki natives and some ethnic Russians who were living with them noticed a brilliant blue light traveling across the sky. The light was so bright that it was compared to a second sun. Being the bright blue light, or behind the bright blue light, was a trail of thin vapor or cloud. Then, as the second sun came close to where the sky met the land, there was a flash, and where the uh, second sun was replaced with a tall cloud. A tall tower of fire rose into the sky from the cloud, which painted the entire sky red. The tower of fire and the cloud split down the center and turned black. As the cloud began to clear, there was a boom like thunder, and a fast wind knocked people to the ground and shattered everything brittle.
0: Wow. What an explanation. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the scientific point of view is pretty straightforward with this one. Sure, a meteor airburst was the cause of uh, was the cause and would be noted as quote the largest impact event on Earth in recorded history.
0: I just can't fathom it being like the largest impact ever and not leaving a crater.
1: Yeah, like, I, I get it. Something- in recorded history, in recorded since like science and like people have been like writing down.
0: Well, yeah, sure, but even beyond that, like, you have something that big traveling that fast smacking into the earth, it's going to leave a crater, in my mind.
1: Speaking of size, the meteoroid was estimated to have been 160 feet across. Wow. Yeah, that's about half of a football field.
0: Well, I don't know, you're probably going to go into this, but did they ever find any fragments of it? Did they find anything?
1: I will go into it. Okay. So this big boy was flying through space at about 34,000 miles per hour.
0: Wow.
1: At an estimated 220 million pounds, this space boulder would have heated the air around it to about 45,000 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: Wait, how how much did you say it weighed?
1: 220 million pounds.
0: Wow. Mhm. I like this whole episode is just going to be me saying wow because it's crazy. Wow.
1: Yeah. Then, as our space stone enters Earth's atmospheres, we have a combination of pressure and temperature changes, which causes Rocky to fragment and explode. NASA claims this would cause the stone to annihilate itself and produce a fireball, which they have calculated at the force of 185 Little Boy atomic bombs. I mean, it's a little bit lower than my guesstimate, but, you know. It's still.
0: still so much.
1: Yeah. I, a lot.
0: It's I can't even like fathom this because it's just, it's incredible. Is mm-hmm. what it is.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, there it is. The quick breakdown of like what science said happened. Okay. And like, there's a lot more of the math which has gone into calculations of angles and speeds and whatnot. But I don't really have much interest in trying to explain diagrams, which I barely understand myself.
0: I mean, that's fair. So essentially, like, it, what you're saying is like this huge meteor came in and. Almost like imploded upon itself.
1: That's what they're saying. Yeah.
0: And then just like the heat from it is what scorched the land. Yeah. Knock these trees over.
1: The heat and the pressure, the force didn't stop.
0: Okay. All right. It would
1: be like throwing a baseball at a watermelon and then the baseball explodes because it's going so fast. And then just like the force that was propelling the baseball Slams into the watermelon.
0: Okay, all right. Okay, that makes sense. I I understand why they would go there. Sure. I, th-
1: I think that's an accurate explanation. Yeah, I, I get it. But anyways, you guys can still find all those uh, you know diagrams and stuff out there on the internet yourself and dig through the math. But you know that's not what this episode of the podcast is going to be about. Sure. The science community still debates some of the details about the Tunguska event, such as like the makeup of rocky or Should I say icy? Okay. Some think that it could have been more ice and gas than rock and mineral.
0: Interesting.
1: I guess I'm just trying to say that even science is still trying to get solid answers to this.
0: I mean, that's fair. I I feel like this is a really hard thing to try to figure out.
1: Yes. Now, some scientists have looked at the surrounding area's mineral makeup. Sure. And they state that it's different than, you know, the rest of, you know, the tundra, forest area around it. Okay. All right. Which would make sense that if something exploded in the air and it showered the ground with minerals, but also just that? That's all you have? Like I, a little, I mean, yeah. A sure. dusting of minerals into like the the topsoil? I don't know.
0: I, I don't know. Like I, I get why they're like going to that conclusion. It still seems it still seems odd to me that you're talking about you said what a two point two million pounds meteor.
1: 220.
0: Okay, 220. Sorry, I can't keep up with all these numbers. 220 million pound meteor. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us can fathom how big that is. And for it to essentially implode like that, and cause this event, like I can see it, but at the same time, I can't, Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine that being real. Yeah, with without having definite answers to that's what 100% one hundred percent happened mm-hmm. because I can't imagine something imploding to the to the point that there's nothing to prove that that happened. There's nothing left, yeah, other than minerals mm-hmm. or whatever in the soil i I don't know I have questions
1: and I think that's why like the ice theory has like a lot of merit to it because oh, they're it's like
0: they're like, oh, it melted
1: if it's like mostly ice with a little bit of rock and then as it's coming and in, hurtling into the Earth's atmosphere it heats up even more and then, like, melts and explodes and, you know.
0: Do we have ice balls floating through fucking space? I believe so. Really? I think so. I don't know why I've never, like, considered that.
1: I want to say that there are some icy meteorite-type things
0: floating around. I don't know. That's something I'm going to have to look into because I've never considered, like, a chunk of ice just, like, floating through space.
1: Space is cold.
0: It, It is cold, but it's more along the lines of, like, moisture in space
1: water in space yeah
0: you know what i mean mm. like i know that there like scientists have found i think water on other planets or like there was evidence that there was yeah or something like that i don't know i don't i don't study a lot of things about planets so i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about but i think i've read something like that but to think that like the water got into space yeah i, I just it doesn't compute
1: that's true it where did it come from and if there's ice in space that means there's water out there in the universe on other planets other than just ours right
0: yeah but that would also have to mean that the water had to float away from that planet unless for some reason the planet exploded Mm -hmm. like imploded or whatever the case is and the water somehow like remained and like is floating in space
1: or it could have been something as wild as like when the earth was impacted by like the meteor that killed the dinosaurs, right? Okay, sure. That hit, you know, the, the the Mexico area of the North American continent. Okay. That impact was so strong that it threw water into space.
0: I guess that's plausible. I, I guess I could see that that being a possibility, but how fucking ironic would it be that the water use, or the water that flew from our planet came back and hit us again?
1: <laughs> that would be super funny. Like,
0: what the fuck?
1: Yeah, that would be like, Using one of those ping pong paddles, (laughs) and then it just like slapping you in the nose. It hitting you in
0: the face. (laughs) But yeah, you keep doing it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Anyways. Okay, so what else do we got?
1: Okay, so that's the the science stuff, right? Okay, sure. With that, let's get into the alternative theories. All right, my favorite part. Now, I warn you that some are a little bit more of a stretch than others. Uh, As it normally goes. So with that warning, let's jump in. Let's do it. Now, some scientists have questioned the space angle and instead looked to Earth itself as the answer. Okay. They suppose that a natural gas buildup from deep within the Earth caused a massive explosion, and that shot fire into the sky and shook the ground. Okay. Now, it could be feasible in my mind, with the exception for, like, no sorts of crater. Yeah. No scarring of the Earth has been found that would leave me... Lead me to believe in this one. Now, astrophysicist Wolfgang Kunt at the University of Bonn in Germany stated it would have come from the molten earth, some 3000 kilometers deep. That's 1864 miles for you, uh, you know, non-metric folks. And the natural gas would be stored as a fluid in that, like when you're down that deep. And then once it reaches the surface, it would become a gas and expand by a factor of a thousand in volume for a huge explosion.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Now, all that basically saying that like it's a liquid down near the Earth's core. And then as it rises, it turns into gas. And when that gas uh, or the liquid turns into gas, it takes up a lot more space, pressure, explosion, fire. Boom. Whoa. Okay. Right? Sure. Now, I don't hate that explanation, but it's also pretty terrifying to think that we're all sitting on a landmine, and I don't like that.
0: Okay, well, first of all, I've always loved the name Wolfgang, so like, fuck yeah, Yeah, I love that name. I don't know why, but I just do. Uh, Second of all, whenever you were first explaining this theory, Mm -hmm. that's literally where my mind went, is like, what if it came from the earth itself like from below mm-hmm. that was the first thing i thought of is like not from above but below mm-hmm. so like i find it interesting that like somebody else had that theory you probably somebody are. yeah you're on it probably somebody a lot smarter than me but i was like i don't know it kind of sounds like maybe something came up and went kaboom you know it like and was able to not leave a crater i find the lack of a crater so
1: it's scary to Question, me yeah it the lack of a crater makes it such a big question mark.
0: But yeah, I also have the same thought of you of like, how terrifying is that? But then I think about Old, felt, uh, old Faithful mm-hmm. over there. Over, the, oh my, I'll get it together, I swear. Old Faithful and yep. Yellowstone. And then realize, well, we kind of are sitting on a ticking time bomb. That's true. To be fair.
1: It's a super volcano just waiting to cover half the earth in ash and soot. Yeah. Yikes. Okay, so then we have a theory with a scientific guest superstar. Okay. This theory hosts that inventor extraordinaire Nikola Tesla. Oh. And uh, they're saying that his theory or this theory supposes that Tesla was responsible for Tunguska. Really? Yes. Okay. For those of for those who are unfamiliar with Nikola Tesla, he was arch nemesis of Thomas Edison and uh, Tesla advocated for alternating current and edison vouched for direct current okay that was actually referenced as the current wars and like they fought back and forth and like slandered each other and it was really crazy
0: oh i can't i would love to have been a fly on the wall could you imagine like the shit they said about each other oh yeah oh oh my god how fucking awesome would that be from my
1: understanding it was very petty and like them talking trash to like newspapers and like It's not like face to face. It's like when the other's not in the room.
0: No, absolutely. But I would still have loved to have been like just that fly on the wall while like they were sitting there talking smack to each like about each other, like in the comforts of their own home or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was like, it's not like, you know, new age, like the year that we're in where it's just like well, that motherfucker. Right. Right. It would have been like that year old. Bitch. <laughs> or whatever, you know what I mean?
1: Something like that. Not
0: that far in the past, you know, but you get what I'm saying.
1: Well, the current wars is a different story, but a wild one all the same. Two super nerd geniuses fighting over whose science was the correct one? What a world.
0: I know, absolutely.
1: So while Tesla was getting real deep in electricity and energy, he started thinking about a different project. In the 1930s, Tesla claimed that he had developed a death beam which he called Teleforce.
0: I remember this. I know about this. Yeah.
1: So he claimed to have begun development of this tech back in the early 1900s, which has led people to associate his death beam tests to Tunguska. Okay. Basically, Tesla Tesla was building a murder beam and had a misfire or a bad test, which exploded in a forest in Russia. The theory goes that he found out about the damage he had caused and deemed his new weapon too powerful for the hands of man. He tore his death beam apart and destroyed the blueprints.
0: Could you imagine
1: if that was the case? Could
0: you imagine like, first of all, if he actually made some shit like that and right. it
1: worked. I mm-hmm. I, wow. And then be, and being like, what have I done? It's not too late to stop this.
0: Like mad scientists for reals. Yeah.
1: I need to destroy this before it falls into the wrong hands.
0: Um, if he actually did create it, uh, thank God. He destroyed it.
1: I mean, it was only like, what, 15 years away from the nuclear era Uh, anyway? Yeah, but
0: still, regardless, could you imagine that in the hands of anybody? Right. Anybody? Mm -hmm. I I don't even know. I mean, I think the only person's hands I'd be like, okay with it being in is Mother Teresa.
1: (laughs) You (laughs) know what I mean? Not even then.
0: And not even then, but that would be like the only person I would consider. Maybe.
1: Yeah, but then like, what if it gets stolen? Oh God! You know?
0: Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. But it is a it is a very interesting theory to think that this like murder beam caused this like crazy event.
1: It is, and you know because he supposedly created it and it was effective, and then he destroyed it. It did not stop him from bragging about it in the 1930s. Uh,
0: that doesn't surprise me at all.
1: Now here's a little twist, though. Okay. The first recorded history of Anyone talking about a death beam or death ray was in 1923 by Edwin R. Scott in San Francisco. Although he was an inventor, his prototypes never managed to function well enough to go into production. And he tried to sell his death ray to the British military, I believe. And they were like, cool, test it, show us. And then he was like, yeah, I can't do that.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Never worked. It almost sounds like a snake oil salesman. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: It was like, hey, I have this death ray. And they're like, okay, cool. Can you give us a test? And he's like, not right this second. No.
0: <laughs> uh, Maybe tomorrow? Payment first.
1: Right. He's like, "Ah, oh, I forgot batteries. Oh, no. Oops." And they're like, we have batteries. And he's like,
0: those aren't the right kind of batteries. I need other kinds. And they're like, well, we got those too. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not those either.
1: Yeah. Different. Death ray batteries.
0: Yeah, it's alien technology. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous.
1: So here's another theory. Okay. A black hole tore through the earth. Oh my gosh. Now, I don't know anything about black holes or them ripping through things, but this one would lead me to believe that there's an entry wound. Wouldn't there be an exit wound? It may be. I don't know. Did some boom happen out somewhere in the ocean? You know, I mean,
0: to be fair, we don't really know shit about black holes.
1: No, not really. Like you
0: might not know anything about them, but like nobody really does.
1: True. But I say that to say no reports of seismic activity were registered around the same time to make me believe that there was like an entrance and an exit, right? Nothing to make me say there was a shot straight through by like some sort of black hole Spear.
0: Did we have the technology back then for like seismic, seismic activity? We did. Yep, okay.
1: There was. All right. So I, I don't know when the Richter scale was actually invented, but they were measuring seismic activity. But
0: that also kind of poses a question for me: that no matter what the event was, was with this, mm-hmm. wouldn't there have been some kind of seismic activity at anyways? And there was. Oh, okay. there was
1: on the front end, but not the back. But end. not on, not the on back, like a okay. random spot in the ocean.
0: I see what you're saying. So like it was like in, but like not out, and right. like with a black hole, you would assume there would be an out. Okay, that right. makes sense. But at the same time, like we just don't know if that's true. true.
1: We don't. I, I'm just like my logical yeah. thinking, right? Yeah. So, in the same vein of thought, some suppose that the destruction of a piece of antimatter from space entering the atmosphere caused the destruction. Okay. Now, here's a very basic understanding that I have about antimatter because, like, it's way above my head. Sure. Like, basically, the opposite of an atom. So, like, uh, hydrogen, right? Okay. The first in the periodic table. One proton, I believe. And the opposite of that would be, like, an anti uh hydrogen that has no protons one electron and they just are like the exact opposite of each other and they collide and make like a zero balance of energy and then it's just like what are you? a huge explosion
0: interesting okay i mean sure i i'm not i'm not going to pretend that i know what the fuck you're talking about but sure okay i understood the the kaboom part
1: yeah so it's like if you have the opposite of some like a puzzle piece, and you have the exact opposite of that puzzle piece, and then they collide perfectly to each other. Oh, and then it's like that's so, not supposed to happen in nature. And then
0: it would like be taking the hydrogen and like the anti hydrogen, and when they meet, it's like a kaboom, correct? Okay, get you. I'm on the same page now,
1: yeah. And I like I said, antimatter is like way above my head, and th- like real theoretical physics type stuff. And I'm not a theoretical physicist.
0: Yeah, I know nothing other than what Futurama taught me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: just saying, like, that's it. That's all I got.
1: Right. So aliens and weird stuff going on in space. Exactly. All right. Well, it's, this whole uh, antimatter thing seems like a long shot to me, at least from my basic understanding of like what I read.
0: I mean, but isn't antimatter just from space? It, there's not that on Earth, right? It
1: supposedly exists everywhere. Oh, well, like, then
0: I sound like a dumb fuck. Because okay.
1: antimatter is supposed to be existing in, like, you can't see it. You can't test it's It's in there somewhere.
0: It, but doesn't that kind of terrify you to think about the fact that it's, like, floating around everywhere that, like, its opposite is? And if they come into contact, kaboom?
1: I think because they were saying that it came in from space at a high rate of speed and just, like, threaded the needle at the perfect oh. angle. And it was just like...
0: Okay, so, like... Okay, so we're going to say that, like, antimatter is on Earth, but it's it's not moving fast enough to collide with something to create that boom. Right. But they're saying because it was going so fast coming in, it collided with its opposite and created an explosion.
1: Right. So a nuclear bomb, like a hydrogen bomb, is cracking open hydrogen, and all that energy has to go somewhere, right? Sure. Okay. So now, once you do that, then boom radiation, all the stuff that comes with it. Sure. Okay. Um, I think that's probably wrong. I don't know. Whatever. What I'm saying is that (laughs) the antimatter portion has to do with like two things colliding at a high rate of speed and they just create a surplus of energy. I
0: I get what you're saying. Like I'm on the same page as you. I also find this hard to believe because I feel like if the, even if this was true, it would create a crater.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good point.
0: It's still an explosion regardless, no matter how you look at it, because even if it is coming in from space at a high speed and collides with its opposite, it's still an explosion and it's going to create a crater.
1: Which is where the air burst comes in, because it would have to hit like five miles above the Earth's surface, hit, detonate, and then all that pressure.
0: I don't know. I still feel like there would be evidence. I, mean, I it just personally other
1: than eighty million trees.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm no, I meant like a create a crater in the earth. Mm-hmm. I just I just fully believe that.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say.
0: Yeah, it really is, especially because I'm not a scientist. Exactly. So I'm just theorizing with my basic knowledge.
1: Well, I mean, who would have thought that a paranormal podcast would be so educational?
0: Absolutely. I'm learning so much.
1: I for sure didn't think that I would be learning about astrophysics and this kind of stuff when we started the podcast.
0: I mean, this is like a a drop in the bucket of it, but it's it's interesting for sure.
1: I guess like we should have had that potential when we started thinking about aliens, though.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Like we're going to start learning about some space stuff. Fuck yeah. Okay, so that brings us to our next theory. UFOs.
0: Oh, yay! My favorite!
1: Now, the nuclear or similar powered engine of a UFO had some sort of malfunction as it was crashing and then exploded over Earth, which left all the evidence of a nuclear detonation minus the radiation. What happened to the UFO remains? Mm, Who knows? Maybe some sort of recovery team hit the ground and cleaned up the crashed UFO. Perhaps it was some sort of alien scouting mission or some sort of long-range attack. The questions are endless and the theories are endless. I could go on for hours about what it maybe could have been, you know, but
0: do it, you, people do are
1: just associating the entire event with like aliens did it.
0: Do you remember like back when we started this podcast and I, I think it was like probably the third episode or something that I did. Oh my God. I can't even remember what it, it was called. So we're going to pause real quick so I can look it up. It, it was like, Henry Dahl, but I forgot what the incident's called. So hold on. Okay, so I had to look it up because I I, I remembered like the, the the name of the man involved, but it was called the Maury Island incident. That's
1: what it was. And
0: what ha- If you remember, if you can, like back then, if you were you know listening to us all the way back then, um, there was like six UFOs or something like that that were flying over the over the sound, mm-hmm. and one of them. They kind of witnessed this UFO like malfunctioning and it was like spewing this stuff out of it mm-hmm. that like killed his dog yeah and like fell on I think his son and like broke his arm and stuff
1: right and well, they so were fishing I believe yeah
0: they were fishing they were they they weren't fishing they were collecting logs that's what it was and um, anyways, the reason why I bring this up is what if like this UFO technology right they land? because it's malfunctioning and like maybe like they have to release something from their mm. spacecraft that yeah. just like kaboom you know what i mean like yeah. out and it just like leveled all these trees but it instead of being like a downward force it was it was an outward force
1: it could have been yeah i mean some sort of like immediate like stop the impact they're crashing and they have some sort of jet release which like Stops I mean, from hitting. obviously uh, not, this is
0: like high sci-fi right. shit. You know what I mean? Like I, nobody knows. I'm, I'm just
1: literally making up alien technology. <laughs> exactly. So.
0: I mean, me too. I mean, it's, it's just something that's kind of fascinating to think about that if they have like the technology to land somewhere and to just release something that literally could level 80,000 or 80 million trees. Yeah. Um, just like by an outward like push of whatever it was instead of a downward push to create. So it wouldn't create a crater at that point. It would just level everything around it.
1: There, like I said, there's a thousand million ways to just go down this rabbit hole and be like, what other things could aliens have done to cause this?
0: Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you what, I love my explanation.
1: I mean, it's not a bad one. My
0: theory is badass.
1: <laughs> well, here's another really interesting theory. Okay. One I think you'll hate. Oh no! We're all in a simulation, and the Ugh. explosion could have been some sort of glitch, or whatever player running our simulation introduced some sort of weird factor.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I don't like that at all.
1: I know. I, I don't like.
0: It. I don't like the thought of a of a simulation. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that we are in one. I I never have, but just the thought that we are like scares the shit out of me. It's an
1: existential crisis. For oh sure. my
0: god! I would. I could not imagine waking up. And then being like, well, good game. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like my whole life, like my children, my husband, my fucking cats. Mm -hmm. Like, no, send me back.
1: Ones and zeros.
0: No way. Mm -mm. I just, that's not for me.
1: So basically, why did the Tunguska event happen? Well, because some creator wanted it to happen. Now it's not on the same level as like godly intervention, but more like an annoying kid shaking an ant farm for no reason.
0: Absolutely. It's just some asshole like computer engineer or something just being like, how can we fuck with them today?
1: Right. and I mean, I'm open to like the theory if we're going to explore all the options, right? Sure. Thinking about the simulation theory will keep you up all night though.
0: Uh, Yeah. I just try not to think about it.
1: What if the last time you played The Sims or like Age of Empires, you created an entire world and they are still living their digital lives until your hard drive finally crashes?
0: Dude, that would be terrifying, especially all the like crazy shit people put their Sims through. Mm -hmm. I never played that game but i knew people that did and they would do some fucked up shit.
1: Yeah. That's a real mind fuck.
0: Uh absolutely. And i'm thinking about that like new game that just or game, that new uh movie that just came out, the uh, Free Guy?
1: Free Guy, yeah. And it's
0: it's something like that.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: Oh, awful.
1: Self-awareness in the in the machine. I don't like it. Oh, okay. So now here's something for you, right? Okay. Some quotes from stories, I guess, from eyewitnesses accounts that were taken after the impact, some pretty soon after, other years after. Okay. In either case, it gives you an interesting insight to the event, regardless of what caused it. Spoilers, it would be terrifying to live through. Absolutely. All right, so I have four different stories here, okay? Okay. So this first one is the testimony of Chu Chan of the Shenyagir tribe. We had a hut by the river with my brother... Chakarin. We were sleeping. Suddenly, we both woke up at the same time. Somebody shoved us. We heard whistling and it felt and felt strong wind. Chakarin said, can you hear all those birds flying overhead? We were both in the hut. Couldn't see what was going on outside. Suddenly, I got shoved again. This time, so hard I fell into the fire. I got scared. Chakarin got scared too. We started crying out for father, mother, brother, but no one answered. There was noise beyond the hut. We could hear trees falling down. Chakar and I got out of our sleeping bags and wanted to run out, but then thunder struck. This was the first thunder. The earth began to move and rock and the wind and the hut and hit our hut and knocked it over. My body was pushed down by sticks, but my head was in the clear. Then I saw a wonder. Trees were falling. Branches were on fire. It became mighty bright. How can I say this? As if there was a second sun. My eyes were hurting. I even closed them. It was like what the Russians call lightning, and immediately there was a loud thunderclap. This was the second thunder. The morning was sunny. There were no clouds. Our sun was shining brightly as usual, and suddenly there came a second one. Chikarin and I had some difficulty getting out from under the remains of our hut. Then we saw that above, but in a different place, there was another flash, and a loud thunder came. This was the third thunderstrike. Wind came again and knocked us off of our feet, struck the fallen trees. We looked at the fallen trees and watched the tree chops get snapped off, watched the fires. Suddenly, Chikarn yelled, look up, and pointed with his hand. I looked there and saw another flash, and it made another thunder, but the noise was less than before. This was the fourth strike, like normal thunder. Now I remember well, there was also one more thunder strike, but it was small and somewhere far away, where the sun goes to sleep.
0: Okay, this is okay, this is weird. I have a couple of things. Yeah. First, he fell in the fire? Yeah. Wow. That that's awful. That sucks. Um that was my first like thing of like holy shit, could you imagine falling in fire? But I think the biggest takeaway I had from that story is like the way that they're describing it, it sounds like whatever happened came in waves.
1: Yeah, and like it's iterations but like back to back like Boom, 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 boom.
0: Yeah, it's weird because it, it, it makes you wonder, is that just like an echo through the forest? Or was that it was it an event where it wasn't just like one big boom, but rather like several, like several events? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was like, boom, and then another one, boom. And then, an, you know what I mean?
1: Well, as I get through the rest of these stories and you can hear different accounts, you can kind of come to your own conclusion with that. All
0: right, I'm going to just... Let you read all of them back to back and then we'll compare.
1: Okay. Okay. Now this next one is from a Russian newspaper on 2 July, 1908. On the morning around nine o'clock, we observed an unusual natural occurrence. In the North Karil- Rilinsky village, the peasants saw to the Northwest rather high above the horizon, some strange, bright, impossible to look at bluish white heavenly body, which for 10 minutes moved downwards. The body appeared as a pipe, i.e. cylinder. The sky was cloudless. Only a small dark cloud was observed in the general direction of the bright body. It was hot and dry. As the body neared the ground, the forest, the bright, bright body seemed to smudge and then turned into a giant billow of black smoke. And a loud knocking, not thunder, was heard as if large stones were falling or artillery was fired. All buildings shook. At the same time, the cloud began emitting flames of uncertain shapes. All villagers were stricken with panic and took into the streets. Women cried, thinking it was the end of the world. The author of these lines was, in the meantime, in the forest northwest of Korinsk and headed to the northeast when some kind of artillery barrage that repeated in intervals of 15 minutes at least 10 times. In Korinsk, a few buildings in the walls facing the northeast, the window glass shook.
0: Wow. Well, first of all, I never thought about people still using the word peasants for people in the I mean, 1900s. That was like yeah. kind of weird to me. But also, like, I couldn't imagine seeing something like that. And, like, th- it's the end of the world. Yeah. They literally were thinking that, like, well, this is it.
1: How could you not?
0: I absolutely, I didn't even consider that. Yeah. Okay, next one.
1: Okay. This one is by S. Semenov as recorded by a Russian uh, mineralogist. Okay. At breakfast time, I was sitri- sitting by the house at Venavara Trading Post, approximately 65 kilometers or 40 miles south of the explosion, facing north. Suddenly, I saw that directly to the north, over on Tunguska Road, the sky split in two, and fire appeared high and wide over the forest. In the split, the sky grew large, and the entire northern side was covered with fire. At that moment, I became so hot that I couldn't bear it, as if my shirt was on fire. From the northern side, where the fire was, came strong heat. I wanted to tear off my shirt and throw it down. But then the sky closed, and a strong thump sounded, and I was thrown a few meters. I lost my senses for a moment, but then my wife ran out and led me into the house. After such a noise came, as if rocks were falling or cannons firing, The earth shook, and when I was on the ground, I pressed my head down, fearing rocks would smash it. When the sky opened up, hot wind raced between the houses, like from cannons, which left traces in the ground like pathways, and it damaged some crops. Later, we saw that many windows were shattered, and in the barn, part of the iron lock had snapped.
0: This dude is 40 miles away and got blown backwards.
1: A few meters, which basically means about 10 feet. That is
0: insane.
1: He got thrown like five to 10 feet.
0: Dude, I he was 40 miles away and mm-hmm. got thrown off of his feet. That is, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That is a huge force.
1: Yeah. And the heat was so intense that he felt like his shirt was on fire. Could you
0: imagine being closer to it?
1: Yeah, he'd be. you would be dead. Vaporized.
0: That, Wow. Okay, also, um, I, a, a small takeaway before we, you know, because I know you've got another one or whatever, yep. but he, I find it interesting that he said the sky split in two. Mm-hmm. That's a weird description, and I would love to know what he actually means by that because I feel like it's just like a flowery kind of like description, but like what does he actually
1: mean by that? Well, because in one of the descriptions at the beginning, I think it was that there was a cloud of smoke And then the cloud cracked and it turned black.
0: That's weird. Yeah. That's so strange.
1: I believe that's how it was described.
0: Okay. All right. Last one.
1: Last one is an article from a Russian newspaper, 13 July, 1908. An unusual atmospheric event was observed. At 743, the noise akin to a strong wind was heard. Immediately afterward, a horrific thump sounded, followed by an earthquake that literally shook the buildings as if they were hit by a large log or heavy rock. The first thump was followed by a second, and then third. Then the interval between the first and third thumps was accompanied by an unusual underground rattle, similar to a railway upon which dozens of trains are traveling at the same time. Afterward, for five to six minutes, an exact likeness of artillery fire was heard. Fifty to sixty salvos in short, equal intervals, which got progressively weaker. After one and a half to two minutes after one of the barrages, six more thumps were heard, like cannons firing, but individual, loud and accompanied by tremors. The sky, at first the sight, appeared to be at first sight, appeared to be clear. There was no wind and no clouds. Upon closer inspection to the north, i.e. where most of the thumps were heard, a kind of ashen cloud was seen near the horizon, which kept getting smaller and more transparent, and possibly around two to three PM, had completely disappeared.
0: Dude, this is wild. Like, absolutely. Like if I, if you didn't tell me that this actually happened, I would literally think that this is like a plot for a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Like seriously, I, There's a part of me that's like, if it wasn't for people seeing shit in the sky, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, this was a massive earthquake. Yeah. Like, that would be my first thought is like, this is just the biggest earthquake we've ever had in our lives if it wasn't for people seeing stuff above them.
1: But that would not have explained the hot wind.
0: I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, everything that happened above ground, like, you know, in the sky and stuff, it doesn't explain that but like if if you took all of that away i would be like that is just a huge earthquake but i cannot i mean i know the scientists are like like grasping for like this meteorite or yes. whatever but like there's like a part of me and i mean i'm not a scientist mm-hmm. you know i'm pretty stupid when it comes to stuff like this but it just i don't there's a part of me that like wants to say that's bullshit <laughs> yeah i'm serious like it's just It feels very unexplainable.
1: Yeah. And that's why I picked this topic because it is such a mystery and it has so many like question marks associated with it. Even if you go with the completely scientific, logical explanation, there are question marks.
0: I'm going to be quite honest with you out of, I think this is our 71st episode. Mm -hmm. And I think this might be in my top five of favorite ones. Really? Absolutely. Nailed it. This is... So fascinating and I have so many questions and I'm so pissed that I don't have answers.
1: Well, uh, let's hear all your questions because that is all the information I have. I, the I, I don't even about. know
0: I, I think it's just a question of what the fuck
1: it is. Very I, I much, think
0: that's literally yeah. like the biggest question I have because I, I think I think a lot of it comes from my lack of understanding like how things work. to be honest with you. Sure, sure. I don't know if I did have a knowledge, if I would even be any closer to explaining this, because it sounds like even the scientists themselves don't know.
1: I think that they are very comfortable with their understanding of what happened. But I think it's also because they are not very open to other options.
0: I mean, absolutely. I'm sure they were probably like, okay, we have this unexplainable event. What's the most likely that could have occurred? And somebody's like, I don't know a meteor that imploded and they're like, yeah, that one.
1: Right. But also they didn't know that their colleague Tesla was, you know, testing death rays. Uh,
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's their fuck up,
1: dude. If you ever like look into it, like Tesla is a madman.
0: Absolutely. And I actually thought about potentially doing an episode on him for reals because he's so fucking crazy. But then I was like, "Mm, this is paraffined. And I was like, it probably wouldn't fit. But man, I would love to dive into that dude because he's so fucking, he's something else.
1: Dude, there was like a whole paragraph I read that it was a rant about somebody saying it was a death ray. He's like, no, motherfucker, rays dissipate this. I made a beam. Yeah, I made a death beam. It's like. If you are Ray, are you mad? No, I could destroy a tank from 200 miles away. Dude, Tesla was he was insane. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. He was he was nuts. He was off his rocker, but he was like a, a mad genius kind of thing.
0: It, it, well, they say that like really, really um, smart people like geniuses are mm-hmm. kind of fucking crazy.
1: I think you'd have to be.
0: I think so. They It's like something about like this just high IQ that makes you nuts. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why.
1: I uh, I, I just know.
0: have no idea. It's fascinating that that's how right. it would work. I would hate to be in that position. Like there, <laughs> there's like a part of me. that's like thank God I have a normal IQ. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not too stupid, but I'm not too smart. I'm just like just right, like yeah. the three bears or whatever. You know, Goldilocks. <laughs> um, it's just <laughs> I don't know. This fucking episode is fucking nuts, though.
1: I'm not too dumb. Just like them three (laughs) bears, uh, Goldilocks, that was the one.
0: Okay. Anyways. So uh, thank you for this one. Like, seriously, I, I like, there's a part of me that just wants to ask like 50 million questions, but I don't even know what to ask at the same time because it's just, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have a good theory for this. Mm -hmm. I know the scientists do. I don't know if I want to believe them.
1: Yeah.
0: Like I do want to, but I also don't, but I also have no explanation.
1: The stories are what got me the most.
0: The stories are intriguing. They kind of scared me Yeah, because they were like, it was, it felt like the end of the world. And I was like, holy shit. I couldn't imagine being in a situation like that. Right. Like at all. Like I couldn't imagine just be like sitting out on my porch and then kaboom.
1: And then I get like thrown against the wall. You get thrown against the wall. There's like, a few like heavy thumps. And then it sounds like 12 trains are rattling underneath your feet.
0: I would be like, dude, the four horsemen are here. Right. Like for reals, that would be like literally my first like instinct is like war's here. (laughs) Like,
1: Holy shit.
0: We are fucked.
1: Right. A pale horse and a rider named death. We are
0: fucking screwed. That would literally. I think that would probably be one of my first, my first thoughts. And I would be terrified. That would be an awful situation to live through. And um, I, I'm just kind of sad that like they didn't get an explanation. I feel like we have one, but it's kind of weak. Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe it's not.
1: So, I just don't know. Now that you mentioned the fourth horse four horsemen aspect, what if the, this was like a religious event? And that was like one of the like seals from Revelations opening.
0: No, and Andrew. Like- no, Andrew. No fucking <laughs> thank you. I I no, mm-mm, I don't even want
1: to consider. That was the kickoff to the big game.
0: Because isn't it? Doesn't it go pestilence and then war and then famine and then death? I think that's the way that they're supposed to come, right? I think so. I think that's the waves in which they in which they come. I I just I don't I don't know because in the uh, well we've had like the Black Death, but that was like a long fucking time ago. Mm-hmm. But then you had like the influenza thing, and that was happening like at that time Spanish
1: flu 1918 right yeah
0: something along so this would predate that so I I don't know I Mm -hmm. it could be I'm gonna say it wasn't I just it was some weird fucking thing I don't know all right all right well I think the only thing we can do after this because I don't think there's like a good way to end it I think we need to just jump into the listener stories
1: Listener stories here we go okay we gather here today
0: to hear a tale for my friends from the other side. I'm still really speechless right now. <laughs> I'm trying really hard to like get over the fact that this crazy like thing happened. And I'm like, I really hope that doesn't ever happen again. That's like right. literally all like, I'm, I'm going to have nightmares now. Like I'm going to be sitting on my porch and I'm just going to f- kaboom.
1: Yeah. Like, well, I don't know. Thankfully they say that like, uh, an asteroid hits like of like notable size can hit anywhere like at one, every three or five hundred years. And uh, the really big ones are like thousands of years apart.
0: Okay, well, so. I don't know. The dinosaurs, who knows how long that happened and then how many like <laughs> catastrophic events have we had since then? I don't know.
1: Or had narrow misses on? I don't have these timelines. Have you ever so you tell me
0: these years. How many you t-
1: narrow misses
0: we've had? Bitch, you tell me these years. And they mean shit to me because I don't have a fucking timeline of when these things occurred. Okay, but the, I'm saying so like, it could be the last like tomorrow. One,
1: if the last one was 1908, then you've still got like another solid 200 years.
0: Okay, well, we're in listener stories now, so we're moving on. <laughs> all right. So I've got the first one, and it says hello to my favorite podcast hosts and all the fiends out there. My name is Nancy and I wanted to write in because of the story you tell that you told about feeling like something jumps onto your bed. Mm. I have gone through something similar and wanted to share. I hope you love my story. My daughter and I got out of a really bad situation a few years ago that involved a very abusive ex. I needed to move quickly as you can imagine. And my mother suggested that I move into my grandmother's house as she had just passed. It was a perfect solution though. I was sad that my grandmother was gone I loved my grandmother to pieces, so it was hard living in that house, but also made me feel closer to her. Mm. My grandmother was so like Isabel in that she loved cats and had quite a few of them. I was going to say
1: swore like a sailor.
0: Okay, well, that too. I mean, I think we all know that by now, and I still get a giggle out of like the reviews that we get where it's like, Isabel cusses too much, (laughs) and it sounds like it's forced. Like, this is just the way I talk, my bad. Anyways, it's
1: true. She does.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. My bad. All right. So, obviously, over the years, some of them have passed, but I was lucky enough to inherit the three that were still in the home. Mm. There was this one cat in particular that I had really loved that my grandmother had when I was a young girl. It was this little tuxedo kitty that would always sleep in the bed with me when I would sleep over. Her name was Biscuit because she had this little white spot on her chest that I thought looked like a biscuit.
1: It's a great cat. So,
0: yes, I named her Biscuit. I was heartbroken when she had passed away. Mm. A few weeks after moving into the house, I was pretty much a wreck from the trauma I had been going through over the last few years with my ex. I was lost and hurt and just going through a ton of emotions. My daughter was my little savior, but I had to be strong for her. And there was a part of me that wished I had someone or something I could lean against that could be strong for me. I was lying in bed one night when I felt something jump up onto the bed with me. My initial reaction was that one of the three cats had jumped onto the bed with me. Whatever it was on the bed definitely felt like a cat. It was small and I could feel little paws walk over my legs. It was dark in the room, so I couldn't see anything, but I reached down to pet whatever was on my legs, but there was nothing there. That's when I started to freak out. I sat up and turned on my bedside lamp, and sure enough, there was nothing there. The sensation of something on my legs had also disappeared. What was weird about this discovery, though, is that initially I freaked when I saw nothing, but I didn't feel like there was any danger. It was strange because in a weird way, I felt comforted. Over the course of the next few months, this happened several more times, and each time there would be nothing there. But that sensation of love that I felt from this presence was there each time, and it weirdly was making me feel better. Hmm. But I still wanted to know what it was that was jumping on my bed. Finally, one night, I kept my light on and just laid there. I waited, and sure enough, I felt the sensation of something jumping up again. And to my absolute astonishment, this time I witnessed a little black kitty sitting there on the edge of my bed looking at me. I almost cried when I noticed that little white marking on its chest that looked oddly like a biscuit. I smiled at what I assumed was the ghost of my old cat I had loved so much and told him thank you for being there for me. Biscuit lay down on the bed and I fell asleep. When I woke up, he wasn't there." I never saw Biscuit again, but to this day, several years later, I still live in my grandmother's house, and every once in a while, I feel those little paws walking across my bed. I fully believe that my old cat knew I was in a bad place and decided to hang around to comfort me, and it worked. So I have to say, thank you, Biscuit, you silly, silly kitty, Nancy.
1: That is an adorable story.
0: I loved that story so much. I think that was like probably one of the most like heartwarming stories, like listener stories we've ever gotten.
1: I would agree. Um, it's up there in like the top five. Oh, absolutely. And it like, I don't know.
0: Cause we all know fiends. Like I love my cats and like we have cats and like, they're my babies. True. And it gives me like comfort to know that when they're no longer with us, they might still be with us.
1: Might still have a, uh, cha- speaking of which we have a cat, uh, who is joining us now climbing <laughs> on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, this is Jupiter
0: and y'all can't see her, but she's actually a little black cat and she is a shoulder kitty and she has decided she wants some love. So now she is currently on Andrew's shoulders.
1: Yep. Yeah, she was hitting the t- the microphone with her tail a second ago. Oh my gosh. Um, I wonder
0: if y'all could hear that. She's adorable. She's a good kitty.
1: She is. Anyways, uh, well, those are you. great story, Nancy. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Nancy, for that story.
1: Very heartwarming. I am indeed. ready
0: for yours.
1: Okay. Mine says, hello, Andrew and Isabel. Just wanted to say I love the show. Now, here's my story. When I was in high school, me and my family moved to a new city. I was set to go into this new high school that I later learned had a reputation for being haunted.
0: Ooh.
1: I didn't really pay attention because uh, I've never been much of a believer. But the people in this town were really into it. The people that I got to know and became good friends with swore that they had each had their own experience with what they referred to as the girl in red. Ew. One of my friends, Alex, who ended up becoming my best friend, told me that he had experienced this girl in a classroom in the middle of the day. He said that the room was dead silent because everyone was taking a test. He swore that at one point every hair on his arm stood on end and he got the feeling of someone standing over him. He looked up and screamed in the middle of the test because the girl had been standing right there next to him. What? Even after hearing all these stories, I still didn't believe. It all sounded like a bunch of BS, to be honest. Like they were just trying to scare the new kid. It was getting close to winter break when I was in a classroom after school for a meeting with the student council I was a part of. All the other kids had left, and uh, this left me alone in the room. I was waiting for the teacher to get back so I could help her with one final thing before we locked up. I put together some stacks of paper when I got the same sensation my friend had talked about. Every hair on my arm stood right on end. Oof. Then I felt a chill spread over my body, and I had the feeling I was no longer alone. I prayed it was just my teacher walking in that spooked me, but I knew it wasn't. I looked up, against my will really, and nearly jumped straight out of my skin when I saw what appeared to be a girl close to my age, which was about 15, And she had long, straight black hair and wore this sort of baby doll type dress that was the color of blood. I would have figured she was just another kid from the school, except one, I could see straight through her. Oh my God. And two, her eyes were jet black. Oof. Needless to say, I panicked. I had nowhere I could run as she was practically in the doorway. I did the only thing I could logically do in that situation. I screamed, just like my friend had. The teacher must have heard me because she came running into the room, straight through the girl in red, and the girl disappeared. The teacher got this strange look on her face when she passed through the girl, like she could sense her or something. I didn't ask, ask though, and my teacher didn't really say anything. After that, I fully believed in the school's haunting, and finally had my own story to add to the growing collection of others. I saw the girl only one other time during my time in that school, but it was way less up close and personal. It was just a random passing while in the hallway between classes. Still, it was scary. I hope my story makes it onto the show. I'd love to hear it read. Marcus. Wow, Marcus. Could you imagine seeing something like that? Uh, no. I like, don't like that at all. And then the teacher walking through the apparition and being like, oh, what the... Like feeling it. Yeah.
0: I, I don't even know what... I, I don't even know. That would be so weird. And and plus, I can imagine like not wanting to look at your teacher and being like... Did you see that? yeah, and, or like, did you just I don't did you just walk through a little girl? like, what do you do? <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Did you just walk through a little girl? I mean,
0: honestly, yeah. that's what it was, so right? but like also like the the, I don't know the description of her wearing this dress, the color of blood, like it just there's something about that that made you shivers. Mm. you know what I mean? Mm, and then gross. it's like one, you could see through her and two. Just black eyes. Like, right. nope, fuck all of that. Not a fan of the black yeah, eyes. out of that school. I also find it interesting that this ghost is, like, wanting to make itself known. Mm. Because so much of the school has apparently seen her. What does she want for real, though? Yeah. I, maybe she just wants to be there.
1: Not to be forgotten?
0: I don't know. Maybe.
1: Because I mean just standing there in the doorway? Black eyes. I don't know. That it, it feels menacing.
0: It does feel menacing. Like, it feels demonic in a way, but like, I I don't know. At I least just angry. don't know.
1: At least angry.
0: Look, Marcus, I know that you're, you're no longer in high school, or at least I don't think so. Um, salt shotgun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just go back for a simple little visit and just yeah. have at it. Maybe take some holy water out mm-hmm. of something
1: absolutely uh don't play around with that actually probably you know don't go back to high school with any sort of make pretend gun okay yeah
0: that's true I, okay i wasn't insisting that anybody should take a gun to school okay i'm just want to throw that out there yeah. i was just going with the salt and the, okay so just take a pocket of salt pocket salt for sure pocket salt it is no guns please yeah. yes and thank you yes yeah good good catch andrew <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Marcus, for that story.
1: Okay, so are you ready to tell me about a cryptid?
0: I am, and I hope you like it. I'm excited. Okay. Cryptid Catalog. Don't expect this in the mail. You looked at me weird, and it's because... I was confused on which button, like button to press, because yeah. I keep forgetting. Because we're not doing video evidence anymore, mm. and like the skipping of that button now, I'm just like I'm so used to going in a row.
1: Oh yeah,
0: uh, for like our you know the beep, sounds beep, beep, and boop, stuff, boop. and like now that we're skipping one, it's like really throwing me off the game. Mm. So I was like, "Is that the right one?" I had to contemplate it for a second. Just press them all, uh, all at the same. If I press all of them, they will all play at the same time. That'd be exciting, and it would be. Chaos, Terrible. yeah. Pandemonium.
1: Pandelirium. Yes,
0: exactly. Okay, so, oh boy, oh boy, I have a very interesting cryptid that isn't even really a cryptid.
1: Oh, not even. Okay. Right.
0: Seriously, we're talking about a real live human this time. What? And you may ask, why, Isabel? Yeah. Why are we talking about a real person rather
1: than a cryptid? Why are we talking about a real person, Isabel?
0: Well, the answer is simple. This Native American title is pretty fucking interesting to me, Uh and it involves some paranormal type of stuff with a cryptid mixed in. Okay, so buckle up for a very interesting story.
1: Okay, I'm buckled. Okay,
0: so this person that we are talking about comes straight from Native American mythology and known as an individual that we can laugh at though we shouldn't underestimate them because they could actually bring about some great knowledge really yeah this person is fascinating to me because they are known as a clown <laughs> yep you heard that right a native american clown they go by the name of heyoke and i looked up that pronunciation that pronunciation for that so i'm about 85% that it's heyoke um and they are known to do the exact opposite of those around it huh yeah so a Lakota holy man named John Fire Lame Deer stated, quote, The Heoke is thought of being backwards, forwards, upside down, or contrary in nature. Uh, this manifests by their doing things backwards or unconventionally, like riding a horse backwards, wearing clothes inside out, or speaking in a backwards language. For example, if food is is scarce, a haioke may sit around and complain about how full he is. During a baking hot heat wave, a baking hot heat wave, that is like a tongue twister.
1: That is a tongue twister. A
0: heyoke might shiver with cold and put on gloves and, and cover himself with a thick blanket. Similarly, when it's freezing, he might wander around naked, complaining that it is too hot. A hum, a unique uh, example is that a fa- a famous Hayoki sacred clown called the Straighten
1: Outer. The Straighten Outer? Yeah. Okay. It's weird, right?
0: Uh, he was always running around with a hammer trying to flatten round and curvy things, like soup bowls, eggs, wagon wheels, and things like that, thus making them straight. Really? Yeah. So, like, this is just, like, somebody that runs around doing, like, the opposite of everything.
1: So, like... What if it was anybody else? People would be like, "No, what do you? What's wrong with you?" Yes, absolutely. Gotcha.
0: So this person is actually worshipped by the Lakota people and known as a sacred clown or even just a fool that enjoys tricking or joking around with people. They can be either male or female, and the native people stay uh, say that this this you know person is pretty complicated, as one can gather looking into native people. They believe that we were put on earth for a particular reason though we may not know why Mm -hmm. and without knowing why we feel lost or confused. So this is why native Americans uh, do like vision quests and why they're so important. Okay. They are meant to open a world to the spirit world or like open a door to the spirit world, essentially helping us to find a place or path in life. Okay. Now there was a medicine man and like second cousin of the war chief crazy horse. Mm -hmm. And his name was black elk. Uh, and he stated that in order to earn the title of Hayoki, you must have like undergone special visions yeah. of Thunderbirds. Oh, neat. Yeah. So Black Elk stated, quote... Only those who have had visions of thunder beings of the West can act as Heokes. They have sacred power, and they share some of these with all the people, but do it though through funny actions. When a vision comes from the thunder beings of the West, it comes with terror like a thunderstorm. But when the storm of vision has passed... The world is greener and happier for wherever the truth of vision comes upon the world. It is like a rain. The world you see is happier after the terror of the storm. I like it. So if you haven't guessed black elk himself claimed to have seen a thunderbird in his quest and subsequently became a Hey okay. Huh?
1: Yeah. Okay. So first of all, the name black elk, super dope. Dope. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's a dope name. Dude,
0: native Americans have like the coolest names. Yeah. Like, I, like, it's like, I'm, I'm not native American, but like, I want a native
1: American name <laughs> because they're so fucking cool. There's some really sick ones. Yeah, absolutely. Like Black
0: Elk. Yeah. Um, now if you don't know anything about Thunderbirds, the gist of them is that they are a legendary and powerful creature in native American mythology. And they were sent by the gods to protect humans from evil.
1: Okay, so that might be another cryptic catalog down the line.
0: Absolutely. And actually, Thunderbirds probably deserve their own episode. Oh, really? Yeah, there is so much information about them.
1: Good to know. Mm-hmm.
0: So seeing one in a vision quest is like a really big deal, because mm-hmm. Thunderbirds are like a huge deal in, a, in Native American like culture. Okay. Now, if you are lucky enough to see one, then you will undergo a ceremony and claim the title of Hayokei. Hey, okay. From then on, these Heoki become the keepers of sacred knowledge that can only be shared with others through funny actions. Mm. Which, like, there's a combination of that, what's like really funny, but like so interesting.
1: Very interesting. It's indeed. very
0: interesting. But just because the Heoki is considered a clown, it doesn't mean they're stupid. In reality, their role is is to force us to look at ourselves and the world around us differently. It provides us with an excellent opportunity to find answers to questions we've never even contemplated. Mm-hmm. To most of us, we think of clowns as like these silly individuals that lack any true depth,
1: right? In like the European version, for yeah. sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Like they're just there for entertainment and that's it. They're like... Very one layer, Mm -hmm. you know. But in Native culture, they're seen as more than that. The sacred clown is known to have the power to heal emotional pain, bringing comfort to those who are sad and hurting. The haoki act like a mirror so that we can witness others' behavior and start the healing process in, like, whatever pains us. They force others to examine, like, our fears, hatred, doubts, and weakness, while also showing us how to study other people, our surroundings, and, like, different situations in a completely new way. It also allows us to have a fresh perspective that can lead to experiencing life-changing insights. Whoa. Yeah, I know, right? So in the end, the Hayoki are seen as rule breakers, violating norms and taboos, making us set boundaries and define acceptable ethical and moral uh, behavior guidelines. And if that isn't wild enough, hayokis are sometimes described as beings of thunder and lightning. They can appear as animals such as dogs. Nighthawks, dragonflies, or snowbird horses. And they use the wind as sticks to beat the uh to beat the drums of thunder, which is like super dope. Agreed. Yeah. And uh so like all in all, at the end of this, all I get out of this is that the Hioki are badass. Wow. I know, right? Who knew that clowns could be so fucking cool?
1: So you came At like you got out of my story like one of your top five, and I think this is one of my top five cryptid catalogs.
0: Okay, so we both like scored on this. This is like
1: a killer episode. I
0: loved, I loved this because I had like whenever I was searching for a cryptid, I came across this, and like at first I thought it was a cryptid, Mm -hmm. and then I realized that it was it wasn't. It was like an actual person, like a real live person, and Mm -hmm. I was like. Man, I probably shouldn't do it because it, it's a person. It's not really a cryptid. But just everything surrounding it, it's very paranormal. Yeah, it, like It's like the definition of what paranormal is surrounds this. Agreed. And then with Thunderbirds, Thunderbirds are cryptids. So I was like, I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to go for
1: it. Right. And I don't think it's offensive because you came out and said like, this isn't a cryptid actually, this is like a person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I only put it into like a cryptid catalog because of – like the Thunderbirds. Mm -hmm. And because there is a paranormal surrounding of this with like the vision quest, you know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying that the vision quests aren't real. Right. Paranormal is literally the definition of unexplained. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's kind of where I'm coming, you know, at this with. So like, I I just wanted to take a chance on it, even though it was like a real person, because it's so fucking fascinating.
1: I like how you, you started out with like the really comical, like, Oh man, it's a heat wave, and this dude's walking around the blanket like, God, oh, it's so cold. Yeah. And like, that's really funny to think about. Absolutely. But then, as you get into it, and you're like, does the opposite to make people like, you know, start the healing process and looking at like fears and grief. Yeah. And so, like, this on like that one side, it's like they're, they're jovial, and like, your people are like, huh, yeah, it's probably not as hot as it, it could be, you know, I'm being ridiculous. But then, like, you have, Somebody who's like so sad that their child has passed away. Yeah, and this dude has to come in and be like, "I'm so glad." Yeah, doing the opposite.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And it's like, holy crap. Yeah, I'm.
0: I was reading um, like an article that was written by a Native American man that was talking about the about these people, mm -hmm. and he was talking about um, that you're not chosen or like, you're not, you can't just choose to become a Hayoki. Like you, like you're, you're chosen. You're chosen. You don't yes. choose it. You're chosen. And it, and then he followed it up by saying something along the lines of like, you know, who in their right mind would want to take on something that is so pow- like powerful, heavy, uh, so heavy. And like that really kind of resonated with me because he wasn't saying that it was a dishonorable thing, but it was so honorable in the way that it's so emotionally draining on the person to be one Mm -hmm. to bring like those good aspects to others, if that makes sense. And I was just like, holy fuck. And then I also, um, whenever I was reading the article, uh, I got to pull it back up because I have to remember exactly what he said. That's fair. Um, But okay, here it is. He called uh, the Heoki, the other name for them, are called Thunder Dreamer. And I was like, that is the coolest fucking name in the world. (laughs) It's like, holy shit, it was so fucking cool. And he says um, that they're defenders of the red people as well as their sanctuary and stronghold from the storms of life. And I was like, man, that is so fucking cool. Golly. Yeah, Native American culture is just like... So fucking cool.
1: There's a lot of like introspect that I can gain from just hearing about this. And I really like that aspect. Of
0: yeah. It. I, I like the fact that it's like, we think of clowns as so one dimensional. Like I was saying, where it's just like, they're just there to make you laugh and stuff. And it's like, but these take it like a million steps further than that, where it's like, it just, even without coming into contact with one, just like thinking about one makes you like, think of what they're trying to accomplish. Like, right these haoki are trying to make you like get new perspectives in life. And I'm like coming up with new perspectives, just like reading about them. Exactly. So it's, That's it's, what I was saying. It's so strange. Yeah.
1: It makes me want to like think about the opposite of myself mm-hmm. in every situation that I come into just to be like, I'm upset about this right now. What's the opposite. And then just like, let that, shift my perspective. Yeah.
0: So, well, I hope that y'all enjoyed it as much as Andrew did. Um, Like I said, I took a chance on it and um, I'm glad that it was at least a home run with you.
1: Mm, Thank you. I appreciate it. And I hope it was a home run with everybody else. You're
0: very welcome. All right. Well, you ready to move on to spirit board? Let's do it. Okay. Is
1: there anyone out there who wishes to communicate through the spirit board? Okay. So, gonna try and move on like that's a lot to unpack that's how i felt after you did your story yeah like even i pressed
0: the button for listener story and then i still couldn't let it go i know i could not let it go
1: that's how i feel
0: yeah it it took like everything i had to just move on
1: all right so with that said my message is holy crap this is my first time writing in because of the cryptic catalog about the popo bawa also known as that african rape bat cyclops thing and it's a nightmare I'm so glad that I had no knowledge about that before when I was doing volunteer work with an unnamed organization in Africa. Thankfully, I also never had any locals tell me any stories about it. If they did, I think I would have literally shit myself.
0: Oh yeah, I get it.
1: Then again, I may have blown it off as superstition and not given it a second thought. In either case, Africa has a bunch of stuff that will kill you and is very wise to stay careful on that continent. Nature is metal, and it doesn't give a damn whether you live or die. So, stay safe, fiends. Thank you, Andrew and Isabel, for the content. It's always something interesting to add to my week. About half the time, I end up discussing the topic you covered, as I do things over the weekend, or maybe on Monday when I go back into work. I mean all that to say, you are keeping me thoroughly hooked. I'm looking forward to next week, and soon, Patreon, Samantha.
0: Nice. Thank you, Samantha. Um I loved how uh, Samantha said nature is metal mm-hmm. and it doesn't like give a damn if you live or die. I think it's something along those lines. Yep. Uh that is so true. It's so damn true. I It is true. I don't know why I never really thought of it that way, but it's it's very true. There's even an Instagram page
1: named uh Nature is Metal.
0: Oh really? Oh, I think I remember that. I think actually you told me about that. Mm-hmm. That's, and yeah, I'm gonna have to go look that up so I can look at it again. Right. But also that cryptid is terrifying.
1: Mm-hmm. So Super like, creepy.
0: I definitely get like, if I had known about it at that time, like, holy shit.
1: Yeah. No Thank you. Don't want to encounter that. No, not
0: at all. Well, thanks, Samantha, for sending that in.
1: We appreciate it.
0: Okay. So mine says, hey, guys, I just got done listening to the Wendigo episode and wanted to let you know that it definitely gave me some chills. I do not have any native blood, but I I live near a reservation and have a few friends who live on it. They fully believe in the Wendigo. And after listening to some of their stories, I do as well. It's definitely nothing to mess with. I would love to make a formal request for an episode on skinwalkers and other mm. native creatures. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely love to hear your take on anything from their culture, Henrietta. And also Henrietta, you are the you were like one of the big reasons of why I chose this cryptid catalog because I was actively looking for a native cryptid. Yeah. Um so you can give credit to Henrietta for why I chose this. Nice. Yeah.
1: Thanks Henrietta because Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's
1: one of my favorites now. Yeah.
0: So that's all I have. And I'm assuming that's all you have as well.
1: It is. And that wraps up a amazing episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a longer one this time. So hopefully y'all guys enjoyed it. I really hope so. I think that this episode kind of like broke the like stereotype, like for um, paranormal for us, because both of ours kind of didn't belong, but definitely belonged.
1: Yeah, I definitely had a very scientific, like explainable kind of thing, but then the explanation had a lot of, like, but maybes.
0: I know. It's so fascinating. Like, I this is seriously one of the few times that we're going to walk away from this episode, and I'm going to start researching it on my own, because (laughs) I'm literally that fascinated by it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, and I think short of having, like, a very scientific degree in astrophysics or, you know, something like that, it's hard to, like...
0: Okay, but, like, I'm going to pretend... Like, I have a degree in astrophysics. No, for sure, for sure. And I'm going to be like, I'm the smartest motherfucker on the... I figured it out, guys. <laughs> I fucking did it. That's going to be me in about 30 minutes. I'm going to learn astrophysics in about 30 minutes. Mm. Wish me luck. I'm going to need it.
1: Astrophysics for dummies. Here we go.
0: Exactly. It's like uh, ancient aliens, mm-hmm. whereas like aliens, I'm going to be like, astrophysics. That's right. going to be me.
1: What's that dude's name? George... Jors- I, I dude, I don't even know. It's something crazy. It's Greek and like it's like George something.
0: I don't know what it is. I just know him by the meme.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: like I think I watched like one episode of that like a long time ago because I was just that curious. And then I was like, no, this is not <laughs> for me. This is not for me. Like there yeah. was no, like I just literally laughed the entire episode and was like, okay, I could watch this for laughs, but it it literally got so.
1: I don't know. So dumb. It starts out with a reasonable premise, like maybe, and then they dive into it and they're like, but if that's the case, then maybe this, and then maybe this, it just, I, okay. I shouldn't say
0: dumb because I don't want anybody out there that like truly enjoys that show to think I'm calling you dumb. I'm not, there's just things in that show that I just, it's just too much for me personally. It's just too much. And like it, it went beyond my, willingness to watch it for labs. Yeah. And that's where it like literally ended. And I was like, one episode,
1: good enough. One and done.
0: Exactly. So anyways, thanks guys for joining us on this Friday episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We
1: hope indeed.
0: And we hope that we'll see you next time, next Friday. Um, please make sure you come and check us out on our, all of our socials. Those links are in the show notes. If you do want to check it out, please come and join us on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash podcast. That's also in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check it out. Come join us. Get those extra episodes. Help us donate to charity. Help keep us running.
1: Yeah. And if you like this episode as much as we did, we hope that uh, you will tell people about it. Tell them to, you know, give it a listen and help us get the numbers up there so we can have more stories, more content and just, you know, more for everybody.
0: Yeah. And don't forget, guys, to take the 30 seconds, if you would, please, please, please to go drop us a five star rating. And maybe say a couple of nice words about us on the reviews Mm -hmm. so that we can shoot up in the charts and get new fiends in here to, you know, come listen with us. And also, like I said in the beginning, please drop us your paranormal stories or, you know, I guess even your true crime stories, as we were talking about, uh, to spiritboard at com. Yep. And
1: share the Facebook posts and stuff that have, like, the clip. Because Isabel always posts one of those, like, clips. Yeah. Share that
0: junk. Yes, please do. All right. Well, you got anything else? Nope. All right, guys. Until next time.